Uh, all right, but I'm glad to be here with you on behalf of uh, One Baptist in Jacksonville, Florida, who I'll be with at the end of this week for their anniversary service. And on behalf of where I'm the lead pastor at in Douglasville, uh, One Baptist there, do know that they love you. Uh, they pray for you. We are a family of churches, of course, and many of y'all have never met some of them. Some of you have through Wedstrong and other opportunities, but I just want you to know uh, that you're bigger, uh, you're a part of something bigger than just this, and yet this is a big thing. Uh, and I'm so excited that we get to partner with you, and uh, I just love uh, the gift that uh, you are to me. Uh, certainly David and Christine have uh, become some of the dearest of friends to us. I, I know you know how blessed you are to have them. Uh, love on them like that. Don't, don't take that for granted. When I'm talking to them in private away from you, they talk about you with affection, with love. And so it blesses my heart at, that you love them, you bless them, you support them, and all that God is doing here. I couldn't be uh, more happy about that. Uh, I'm sorry my wife could not make it. Uh, we have, um, anyway, we got our kids scattered, and so the two little ones had to stay home with the wife this time. And so, but she'll be back in June. We're going to come up for your, for your um, uh, marriage uh, weekend, and so that'll be a good time together. All right, uh, I guess we've talked about that. We've talked about how fat I am, how old I am. All right, so uh, we're going to get you to turn uh, uh, to a couple places, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what Pastor David just said. Uh, it is a tremendous testimony, by the way, a church this age or this new supporting that many works, already making a difference uh, in this world. I'm going to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians 3. I'll actually be in Ephesians 3 before I'll be in Romans 12, I think. Just get there to both of them because I'm going to talk about something separate prior to them. How many of you can turn and listen? All right, I'll have most of the verses on the screen there. You can swipe uh, if you want to, if you uh, use your phone to do that. Of course, I preach from a King James Bible, and you want to be to follow along with me, you'll be there. But good luck on that swiping. You may just want to pay attention to the screen there. And any slides that you may want of mine, you can have the whole thing Miss Christine would have. That I wanted you to, to note one of the things I put up here on my um, Facebook page today was just talking about being with you guys. Uh, and I, I said this, as, as excited I am to see all of them, I'm even more thrilled to get to talk about the great privilege we have to yield and yet partner with our God to reach the world with His good news. You do understand that's what the word gospel is, the good news. And I said, and hey, as believers, how can we not get excited about, all caps, that? Uh, if you've trusted on Christ, it's because that same gospel made its way to you. And as such, how can we not uh, want to be a part of reaching other people? Listen, uh, these kind of services, uh, this missions conference should be such a celebration because it's not just celebrating what the opportunity is that we have to do something elsewhere in the world. Think about that now, that, that this church, this little converted bank right here on this prime corner uh, here in uh, Matthews, uh, North Carolina, can be used to make an impact uh, broader than yourselves. What a privilege that is that God would use you uh, to win people to Him. That would win people to Him. That would win people. You get it? Uh, to Him. What a privilege. Let's not be callous about that. And the one way we won't get callous is to remember that one day the gospel, like I said, reached you. So a celebration of missions 
is a celebration of your own salvation and the opportunity for other people to have the same. Now, this is called a Faith Promise Missions Conference, and I'll approach it a little different because I really won't be talking about money uh, in all of the services, and yet how we can, unless you're going to yield yourself to physically go, and by the way, that can be short-term mission. It would bless my heart. Uh, Shannon and I get to go with Christine and, uh, and David, and then one more person, uh, uh, Renee, uh, going, I'm so excited about that, and uh, go to, to Malawi with us. Hey, the rest of you, hop on board next time, man. Go ahead right now and start saving, putting away money, doing fundraisers. Come with us. It's a great open door. You're a part of that work, uh, and it would be a blessing uh, to have you go. Uh, and so physically, you can go on short-term trips. It may be that God one day call you to go and be one of the permanent missionaries, be sent out of this church. By the way, if you're sent out of this one, we're going to partner with you heavy as well. Uh, and, uh, and man, we'll go out. But for those of us who God has not told us to go there, we get to go by the arena of giving. And that's what faith promise is. Uh, we'll talk more detailed about that. But in essence, it's praying and it's asking God uh, to, uh, to put on your heart uh, how it is that he would work the opportunity through you to give. It's above and beyond your, your tithe. Uh, but it is saying, God, how is it that I can sacrifice? Maybe it's by sacrificing meals or uh, not, you know, not every day. But I mean, at the same time, maybe saying, you know what, instead of spending this much on lunch, I'm going to sacrifice every Thursday and how much you would save for that. Or, or maybe any money we come across above and beyond our regular pay, uh, we're going to give that. There's a lot of ways and we'll talk about those. Pastor David will get more detail with you about that. But it does involve us being able to give. And I know, man, that sometimes church, you know, oh, here they go giving, you know, I just wondered how long it was, you know, till we were going to talk about money because that's what they do. Uh, and yet, uh, listen, man, money should be no problem of a conversation uh, because uh, really it's his. Uh, we're, just follow, we're just privileged to have anything that he has. So I did have some slides on the screen that I wanted you to see. And I'm just going to say this this morning about that because I tell you, I'm not preaching about money. Uh, but let's just get that out of the way because reality is how we're going to respond Wednesday when you leave out of here. I think Pastor Dave is hoping that everybody will be able to turn in the bottom of their card. I think they're perforated for that reason. Uh, you'll be able to pray. You'll be able to put down a figure of what you pray that the Lord will allow you weekly to give, uh, and then we'll tabulate that. We'll celebrate that total. Uh, you guys already give that way. I can't wait to see how God increases that as we step out in faith and believe together. But just so that you know, the devil's not going to want you to give a thing to it. He's going to come up with every reason why you can't give above and beyond and why you can't do that. And just know, man, uh, the settling place is going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. But know this also of how it is, why God chooses that we can partner with him, yes, by going, but also by this thing of money. Let me say this about money, because sometimes we're often scared about that as it applies to giving. This is not my message, but just giving you the preview of uh, what we're talking about, faith promise. Uh, worship, one of the ways that we worship, as Pastor David said earlier, is through the arena of giving. There are 500 verses on prayer. How many think prayer is important? Uh, hey, man, it's how we converse with God, right? I mean, His Word, He converses with us. We convert with Him, uh, converse with Him via, uh, via prayer. Uh, there are five, uh, there are, uh, now, there are fewer than 500 verses on faith in the Bible. Approximately 500 on prayer, fewer than 500 on faith, and yet without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to do what? To, to please God. There are almost 600 verses on singing in the Bible, and that is one way also that we, that we worship the Lord. And yet, there are more than 2,350 verses on handling money in the Bible. Jesus had more to say about money than he did heaven. Jesus had more to say about money, you can check me out on it, than he did any other subject. 
There must be something, not in the power of money, but what money can have power over us. And so what the Lord says is, hey, we're going to use it. Hey, it takes that. We're going to use it for my glory. I'm going to give it to you so you can use it for my glory, not just on yourselves. And so just know when God says, hey, look, why would God put such an emphasis on money? I have it on the screen here. Money, number one, is the barometer of our hearts. And that's not just the preacher saying it. Uh, that's what the scripture says. Uh, Jeremiah 17 uh, and uh, verse 9 says, The heart is desperately, uh, excuse me, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And it asks the question, Who can know it? Well, God can know it, and He makes us, uh, us be able to know it by His Word. Words like this, where it says in Matthew chapter 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Did you get that? For where your treasure is, where what you do with your money, that's really where your heart is. That's why I'm not going to talk about money. I'm going to talk about our heart. I want us to address an appreciation for what God did for us. And if we'll just have a love for Him and we'll have an appreciation for Him and we'll remember, man, that, that we were going to hell and we did not have a meaningful relationship with the God of the universe and that God, by His grace, did what He did for us. We'll want other people to be a part of that. But how can we know the heart? Who can know it? Here's how we can know it. By watching what we do with our our treasure. And then we see that money vies for the place of lordship in our lives. Again, that's a, that's a passage of scripture uh, that leads us to that statement. Uh, that passage would be in Matthew chapter 6 and 24 where it says that no man, how many? No man can serve two masters. For either you'll hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot. You cannot. It's not even a maybe. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is which is money. I mean, one or the other. Meaning that if you can't serve, he used the word serve. You can't serve God and you can't serve money. That's what we do. We don't, we don't set up, I think I'm going to serve money. We don't lay it out, you know, lay our checkbook out and our credit cards and, and bow to them or anything like that. So, but we're serving it, man. Uh, we are master. We are, we, it is our master in many ways, more than a master card. I mean, it really is. And so, again, I, I have a quote up on the screen here by David McConaughey. It says this, money, most common of temporal things, involves uncommon and eternal consequences. Even though it may be done quite unconsciously, money molds men in the process of getting it, saving it, spending it, and giving it. Depending on how you use it, it proves to be the blessing or a curse to the possessor. Either the man becomes the master of his money, or the money becomes the master of the man. Our Lord takes money as essential as it is to our common life as a, and as sordid as it sometimes seems and makes it a touchstone to test the lives of men and an instrument to mold men into the likeness of himself. I have the quote in the book that's up there on the screen about that, but all of that he's talking about how money can take a place of lordship in our lives and it should not. Jesus is Lord. Amen. And then money is the gauge that reveals whether we can handle the stewardship of true riches. And this is one key I do emphasize to our church all the time. Let me just say this before I put it up on the screen. True riches. True riches is defined uh, as riches that are eternal. And guys, there are only, ladies as well, when I say guys, you know that means gals too. Uh, listen, uh, it, it, there are only two things on this earth uh, that, uh, as it would be, that are going to be eternal. <laughs> and that is worship and worshipers. The worship that we offer the Lord here will be carried over there. We are, we are building the capacity to worship Him then by the way that we worship Him now. And worshipers those that we bring with us. How is it that worshipers are made? They are made by the Word of God. And so, as it would be, the only two things that are eternal are the souls of men 
and, and certainly uh, we know as, the, as it would be the, the Word of God. And so now listen, if God is going to trust us, are you hearing me? As a whole corporately, Hope Baptist Church, if God is going to trust us, with the souls of men, if he's going to give you results for your invites, if he's going to trust, I can send them through the doors of hope because hope's not controlled by money. Whether he'll trust you or not with new people, new families, new visitors, converts, whether he'll trust you is absolutely tied to whether or not money has you and whether he'll trust you with the use of his word. You're taking, as it would be, keys of Bible study. Did you know that if you're not right in this area of money, it will be a fog to you? Because God can't trust you. There's no key of David coming. God can't trust you with it because it all is based off of virtue, being obedient to the Word of God, His yeas being your yeas and His nays being your nays. And so, again, as it would be, listen, man, when it talks about that, it's a big thing. I tell our people, hey, if you're going to be involved in ministry here, you got to be givers for the very simple purpose that, man, we, our ministry is about the Word of God, and I want God to be able to trust you, children's workers, nursery workers, youth workers, church workers, the body I want him to be able to trust us with the souls of men. So do we see that real quick? Did we see that? Did I say that's all I'm going to say about money? <sighs> all right. <laughs> done. My part's done. I think they're going to hand these to you when you go out the door today, uh, and that'll be a blessing. Listen, you're in those places right there of Ephesians chapter 3 uh, and Romans chapter 12. We'll get to Romans 12 in a second, but I want you to see this phrase I have on the screen about the church. Uh, the church. It's called this, the church is eternal right there, Miss Christine, if you'll find that at the very, very top. Uh, here it is, uh, I think, in just a second. She's going to click on that. There it is. Say this out loud with me, will you? I won't tell a soul that you did it out loud in church. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. The church is an eternal organism uh, in the earth doing the will of God and accomplishing the the purpose of God. Watch it now. The church is an eternal organism. I'm glad to say the church is not an organization. It is an organism. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. It is alive because He is alive. We are alive. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? Listen, the church is an eternal organism in the earth doing the will of God, if it is uh, the church that God wants it to be, and accomplishing the purpose of God. Now, amongst those purposes of God in Ephesians chapter 2, we, we see, it, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, we see listed, I have them on the screen here, Miss Christine's going to crank through them very quickly, uh, but uh, what you see are some practical purposes. Don't worry about these, these are not the message, just the intro to it, but uh, you'll see how it will be, and I'll say to you, uh, certainly I'm very involved in the life of your church more than maybe what you know, and listening to Pastor David, and hearing his vision, and his heart, and how you guys are implementing I keep up with you, somebody told me earlier they stalked me on Facebook, I stalk y'all too. Uh, but I don't stalk you personally. I stalk you, um, I stalk you uh, as a church. And let me say this. Hey, man, you're not stalking me on Facebook. We're family, man. Have at it. Uh, all that said, here's what I will say. Praise the Lord for God. You, this is a whole separate set of messages. But praise the Lord for this being the kind of place. Uh, that is indeed the purpose of the church. This is a practical purpose. This is why this is practically how the church can operate in the purposes of God. It is edified in the body. The body is built up by the pastors and the teachers doing their job, perfecting the saints. Then it is unified in the faith. Come if I hearing the Bible says, and hearing by the 
Word of God. How many of you are unified here in the faith that the Word is where we get it? If I'm stepping out, I'm stepping up because the Word told me I could step up. Blind uh, Faith is not blind. Uh, faith uh, is settled. And if we'll just step upon the Word of God, we can be unified. And that's what we rally around. And then the Bible tells us that we're to be solidified in the Son. And this church is that, man. I mean, your aim is Jesus. All you got to do is hear Pastor David for a little while, man. And some of you, hey, the aim is to get them to Jesus. He is where hope and restoration is found. It all starts with Him, solidified in the Son and the church to the measure and the fullness and the stature of the fullness of Christ is what our aim is. You're to be fortified in doctrine. Doctrine does matter. Doctrine is teaching. There's a right teaching and a wrong teaching. There is sound doctrine, and this church is a place where you can find it rightly divided, the Word of God, sound doctrine. You're learning that again in Keys of Bible Study, how to see that for yourself. And then a church, if this is only a church is known for anything, it is certainly verified in love. And I'm happy uh, about that. That is those, uh, that, uh, those are those practical purposes of the church. But the very previous chapter right there... Uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, I'll throw them up there. Maybe you had that in your, in your Bible there. We won't read the verses. Uh, um, I just want you to see the glimpse of it as we go there. But there are what we would call the, the eternal purposes. Because remember, the church is an eternal organism on the earth doing the will of God and accomplishing the purpose of God. So what the church needs to be doing practically, we need to be about what we just said you were about. But not only that from a practical standpoint, but now the eternal purposes of God. And he has them right there in the scripture, if you will. The church, the church, the body of Christ is to be proclaim the eternal riches of Christ. It is everything that he is. Uh, that's what church is to be about. And by the way, he's a whole lot, isn't he? Uh, and we are to proclaim it. But did you know we're the body of Christ? So we proclaim it by oftentimes being who He is, and so that others can experience uh, the richness that's found in Him. We are to reveal the eternal mystery uh, of the church. The Bible calls the, there was a time that the church was going to come on the scene and, and how God was going to use it, and we should be a testimony uh, of that mystery. We should be a testimony next of that eternal wisdom of God is how God has had a plan, uh, and His plan will work. We are to just trust His plan, His way, uh, and if we will follow that in every way, God will be glorified and we get to be able to be examples of that. Hey, God said this and we might not have thought that because our thoughts are not always his thoughts. Our ways are not always his ways, but we walked by faith in that. And watch this and God be able to take us in the face of principalities and those who had the opportunity to walk his way and say, look, look uh, at the church and see my wisdom. And then we are to manifest the eternal glory of God. We are to make known the eternal glory of God. I say it this way at our church. The mission of our, uh, of our church is to glorify God. Period. <laughs> that uh, is the mission uh, of the church. It should be the mission of us all. Now, all of that said, if that's the practical purposes and that's the eternal purposes of the church, and we came back, we go back to that original slide where it says the church is an eternal organism uh, in the earth doing the will of God and accomplishing uh, the purpose of God. Well, how is that done? How is it that that plays out? Uh, Miss Christine, I'm going to throw you a curveball. This will be my fault and not yours. Will you scroll down there till you see Ephesians chapter uh, 1? It'll be right after all of those that you just pulled up. And then I'm going to show you the verse right before uh, those others. And then we'll come back to that. But right there where the Bible says this. 
Now, in that same book of Ephesians, the book that reveals the church, y'all with me this morning, say amen. amen. It says the church, which is his body. And I want you to note it doesn't say like his body. No, the church is his body. How, how much of his body are we? Well, he says the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What he is, who he was when he was on this earth, the church now has the opportunity to be that. We have uh, the privilege, we have the responsibility, I dare say we're going to account at the judgment seat of Christ of whether we were his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. I'll be saying more about that uh, as we get into Monday and Tuesday. Oh my goodness, y'all don't miss Monday and Tuesday. Mm. But the body. We're called the body of Christ. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that other verse, sister, where it talks about how we are the body of Christ and members in particular. It's right before that's uh, uh, solidified or edified. Uh, we are the body of Christ and members in particular. Meaning that we are certainly, you are members of a, a local New Testament uh, uh, church here. You are members of this church, but you are members uh, of the body of Christ. And so that would mean that all of us, yes, Hope Baptist has a corporate accounting, but you have a corporate accounting. If you've received Christ, how many of you received Christ? If you've received Christ, then we have an accounting to, to be to be the body of Christ. Amen. To what extent? Thanks for asking. Because it sets up the balance of what I want to say to you today. All these will be on the screen. Stay with me. Romans chapter 11 and verse 36. Remember, you've got Romans 12 put up. But the Bible verse says this, and just say this to me with me one more time, and then I won't have you say anything else out loud. But it says this, Romans eleven thirty six. here we go, one, two, three, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. And there's an amen after that. Now, all of that said, uh, for of him and to him and, 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 through, uh, or screw, and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now, the very next verse is Romans chapter 12, and our Bible has divisions there as it would be in chapter and verse divisions, but this was a letter written, and, and it's right there in chapter 12 of Romans where you would have it pulled up, I'm sure, where it starts off, and that first word is what? I beseech you what? Therefore. Therefore. I beseech you what? Therefore, okay, based on the fact uh, that all things are to be of him and through him and to him for him to receive glory forever, amen. Listen, I'm beseeching you, therefore. Remember, that's what the therefore is there. Based on that, I'm beseeching you that you be a living sacrifice. Oh, it's an Old Testament reference. If I was preaching through Leviticus, I could bring you back there. But you remember the Levitical sacrifices that they would have. But he says, listen, you're a living one. I want you to be a, a living dead man, <laughs> a living devil. I want you to be one that is living, yielded to the purpose of what you are. And by the way, it's your reasonable service. And one way that we can uh, be a living sacrifice is sacrificially giving towards the things of missions. Certainly those who are going are being that. And by the way, uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, listen, it's not just going to Cambodia uh, and uh, Asia uh, and, and Africa and, and the rest of those things. Uh, look, it, it's also going to, to Matthews and Stallings and Char. Are y'all with me? It's Atlanta. It's Douglasville. It's Jackson. Listen, it is us going out, being living sacrifices, opening up, being who He is so that others can find Him. How, how serious are you about this thing of, of being like Him? There's only one Him. 
Yes, there is, and hallelujah, aren't we glad of that? Now let's concentrate. All that was set up, let's concentrate on this. Today's message title is simply, Be the Way. Be the Way. Tomorrow night it's going to be, Be the Willing, and then Wednesday it's going to be, Tuesday, it's going to be, Be the Witness. But today, Be the Way. Remember, I hope that I'll grab our heart to just see who we are. Man, let's see what we are going to account for. Well, these living sacrifices, the ones who are, have an eternal purpose to fulfill, how do we fulfill that? By being the way. Well, now, what do you mean? Well, let's hop into this. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. I know you are familiar uh, with it, where Jesus said this. But I want you to listen with new, fresh ears this morning, because he says this. He says, I am, now it's Jesus saying it, right? And he is giving personal testimony that he is something. I want you to grab that. He's not saying, I'm here to show you the way. He says, I am the way. I, I'm not just here to simply impart life to you. I, I, I mean, I, I, I am <laughs> the life. Are we right? And, and look, he says, look, and I'm not just here to teach you the truth. When he was on this earth, he says, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, the life. He's saying it is in me. It is embodied in a person, Jesus said, and that person is me, is what he was saying. And man, what kind of power you got to have to be able to declare that while you're on earth saying, oh yeah, I am. And I'm not even playing off. I'm sure Pastor David covered that in Exodus. I'm not even playing off of him grabbing that title, I am, and all that he was saying that, where God had said that he was I am, how you know that Jesus was indeed God and still is. Hallelujah, it goes right there. Now all of that to say, here he is, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Grab the picture. In Acts chapter 1, I have it on the screen there. Uh, Acts chapter 1, Jesus has gathered some of his disciples uh, on, a, on a hillside. And, and all of a sudden, uh, upon that hillside, he has now ascended back to the Father. If you would have been there at that particular time, you know the phraseology when they came up, they're looking, they're saying, why are you standing here, Gaze? He's going to come back just like he went and all that. But if you would have been there uh, on that day, you, you know what you could have said as you're standing there and he ascends and goes away? Based on what John 14, 6 says, you would be able to say, well, 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 there goes, there goes the, the way. There, there goes the life. There, there goes the truth, right? Because he said, I am in a person. I am in this body. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is that what he said? Yep. And now he's gone. And no doubt some who were witnessing that had witnessed him saying that, what would you do? I mean, it's gone now. There goes the way. There goes the truth. There goes the life. It was in him, and now he's gone, so it's gone. And you would have been right in that assessment. And yet, you know what's real cool uh, about the book of Acts? Listen closely. What happens in the book of Acts is you begin to see uh, that Jesus replaces himself on this planet with some things. Now, I make that statement. Don't get shocked about it. I'm going to walk you through it. And I'm going to kind of go with it in reverse. And I want you to bear with me as I'm going to work from the bottom to the top. And this is really the bulk of my message. Are you all with me so far? Yeah. All right, good. I'm going to do this a lot till I get used to how far back I got. Uh, all right. <laughs> 
least I'm getting nailed to the cross here, right? So I'm a living sacrifice. Here we are. Watch now. Jesus, watch now. Watch this, how important this is in the Bible. Jesus says, I am, I have it on the screen there. I am the life, okay? I am uh, the the, there we go. I am the I am the life. So 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 we go to the book of Acts and we find that as now this is it. Okay, so don't don't you ain't got to chase all this other stuff all the way. Focus right here. I'm the life. You go to the book of Acts and you see that he replaces himself as the life with the Spirit of God. How many of you glad that we've got the Spirit of God here on this earth? Jesus is sitting on the right-hand side of the Father. I understand we've got the Christ in us, the hope of glory, but the Christ in us, the hope of glory, is the Spirit of God that moved inside of us when we are saved. That seals us till the day of redemption, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, here's how that went by. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Miss Christine, these will go very, very fast, but you'll see 1 through 4 right there. They're all in that upper room, and they, they're waiting for... What they're waiting for is is the Spirit to blow in. I mean, the, the arrival as it would be. We didn't have to wait on the arrival. We don't have to, we don't get saved and then wait on the Spirit. We get the Spirit when we get saved. But this time of transition in the books of Acts, they're sitting there in that upper room. They're waiting. The Lord said, wait, wait. Uh, because, listen, if we're going to go out and do the work of the Lord, it's going to be the Lord doing the work through us. And otherwise, they'd have been out there in the flesh. So he says, wait now, you're going to have some power. And that power came by the Spirit. Remember, life Watch now, they're in that upper room, they're waiting for the Spirit to blow in, and in John chapter 6 and verse 63, it says this, we're comparing Scripture to Scripture, it says, the, it says now, now let's say it with me, the Spirit that what? Quickeneth. Okay, that word quickeneth there, uh, that word quickeneth means uh, to make alive. It is the Spirit that gives life life. All right. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? So, so, so we find that he is the life. We, we, he, by the way, he's still the life, but he's not on this earth anymore. So where can the life of God be found on this, on this earth? It's found where the spirit of God is found. Amen. I'm glad to know that this morning, the spirit of God met with us. The life of God has been in this place and is in this place because he's in us. We didn't have to wait for the spirit to come down. We walked in and he was here because we was here. Uh, and so again, uh, uh, we have life because we have Him, uh, and all who can have Him can have life because they can receive His Spirit. So we find that He is the life, and He replaces Himself on this earth in the book of Acts with the Spirit of God. Now, the second thing He re needed to replace Himself of, because it wasn't just the life that left, it was also the truth that left, right? He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and now He's gone. So is, is he just going to leave it down here where now there's no life? No, he, he left the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came and he stayed. And what about truth? I mean, if he was the voice of God, if, if he was the one that said all the matters, if you needed to know what God's judgment was, what, if he, he called himself the Word, if, but he's gone. So what is the truth now? Where can I find it? Acts chapter 2. Again, we're back in that book of Acts because that's that transitional place right there, right after he left. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it speaks of the apostles' doctrine. And, and what happened with the apostles' doctrine is the apostles, they are the ones who, who received uh, the word uh, from Jesus, the, as it would be, the doctrine from him. And, and we have it preserved as our, as our new, they wrote it down, and we have it preserved as our new Testament. Okay, that's the apostles' doctrine. Now, John chapter 17 and verse 17, and I, I messed up because I wrote this 
uh, uh, I typed this out, and, and this is actually an old word. Okay, in our King James Bibles, and this is one cool thing about the King James Bible. In our King James Bible, every time it's talking about the written word, that word is a little W. Now, that was me overdoing that uh, at one time trying to, to make emphasis of that because I do salute that book. But every time in our King James Bible that it's talking about the written word, it puts a little W. And I know we want to honor it by capitalizing that. That's what I was doing there. But the significance of that is every time you see the word capital W in the scripture, that's Jesus. All right. When I hang on. OK, there's the distinction, but there is no distinction or maybe there is that you can't make a distinction. Meaning this, you're saying, well, hang on, is it the word or the word? Yep, that's exactly right. That's what he wanted you to be able to see. Is, hey, man, if you find this, you're finding him. See, the problem is when people try to separate the two. No, if you want to know the capital W, get to know the little W. In fact, pursue knowing the little W so that you can know the big W. Are y'all with me? And so he says, hey, you want to find me? Just chase my name, man. And, and there it is. It wasn't just a title. It was one of his names. In fact, I don't have it on the screen, but 1 John 5, 7 in the King James Bible preserves it like this, and I love it. It says there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. Now, in, I think in that God the Father knew that His name was Jesus, right? Yep. So why didn't He just put Jesus right there? Because He wanted to make sure we understood. Well, Jesus is the Word right there, Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And so, notice there, is capitalized. So, there you've learned that little thing about the capitalization. But the point I'm trying to make, and this reason it's important for me to say it in regards to uh, the slide right there, is this that we see uh, in uh, the Apostles' Doctrine. It is preserved as John 17, 17, when Jesus was praying, and He says, Sanctify them through Thy truth. And it was, again, that was, me type, that was my typo right there, but Thy Word. Jesus is saying, Thy Word is truth. This is the truth praying, knowing that the truth is going to leave, but He was glad that the truth was going to stay in the place of the Word of God, and they could still find the truth. Thy Word is what? Truth. And so you see where I'm going already, right? You certainly can see that He replaced Himself, as it says there. John 1, 1, by the way, that would be where the capital W is, the Word made flesh in comparison to the seventeen seventeen. Miss Christine, wherever I'm at next time I preach this, make sure I create that slide. All right, all of that said, uh, we see that. He replaced Himself, y'all, uh, as it would be. Hallelujah, that He is still the truth. And hallelujah, we still have the truth because we have, we have His book. Amen? Amen? Uh, yeah, we don't have to guess it. We don't have to have such and such as else's book. We don't have to have such and such as else's word. It don't matter what I think, you think, your mind, my mind. No, we have the mind of Christ and we have truth. That's why we have faith, faith in the truth. Now, we've distinguished then that he replaced himself on this earth as the life with the what? With the, with the Spirit of God, right? Okay. He replaced himself as the truth with the what? With the, the Word of God. Well, how did he replace himself as the way. And this is my last point. How did he do it? Well, he replaced himself as the way with you. He replaced himself as the way with the church of God. And you say, hang on, Doc, now I see where you was going. See, I'm back here at the beginning now. You was setting us up, saying, we saying amen to all that. And now you're saying, that's, uh, that's on us. Well, he's still going to be the way, but you're the way that others are going to find the way. He's still the way, but we are the vehicles that guide people to the way. 
We're the ones who show them the way. We're the ones who displayed the way. We are the one when they interact with us, they are learning the way. They're, we're the ones that when we're teaching, they are hearing the way. Are y'all grabbing me? Yep. So see, now it gets down serious. So when we talk about, and it's no stretch, when we talk about, hey church, God wants to use you to get the, the word out across the world. You are the way, not just to reach each other, not just to reach this community. You are the way. We are. My church, your church, this church, all churches that are Bible-believing churches. We are the way that it's going to get done. And listen, there is no plan B. I want you to hear that as weighty as it is. It's us or it's nothing. And you need to embrace it that if no other church does it in this community, if no other church does it in this county, this state, if nobody else is going to do it right, hope is going to do it right by God's grace. We're willing to be the way. I don't know if anybody else will. I don't know if anybody else cares about it. I don't even know if they know to the point that they got to be the way. But we know it, and we're going to be that by God's grace. And I still ain't sure I believe that. Prove it. Thank you. I'm going to close with the proof. Watch now, it goes very careful, and it's so, mm, it's so cool. Man wouldn't write this book if he could, and couldn't if he would. I mean, this is one of these things that just makes me want to go. Watch now. How is it that I can know that he's the way? Well, let me show it to you this way. In the book of Philippians, Paul is giving his testimony here, and this is the whole part of Paul saying, if anybody's got anything to brag about, it's me, because, and he goes and cranks off his Jewish pedigree and his uh, training and all that rah-rah stuff. But bottom line, he's giving his testimony here, something you see Paul do a lot of, and he says in verse 6 here, watch uh, as he does it, he says, concerning zeal, I persecuted the the church, okay? He persecuted the church. Paul, in his testimony, was talking about when he was Saul before his salvation, how it was that he thought uh, that there was only a one God, and that's how God expressed himself. So though he was religiously being trained in that Jewish tradition, you know, unaware of Jesus coming and what that meant, uh, so what he did as he was Saul, as in the name of religion, even in the name of God, he would kill people. He was in charge of such. He would lead the charge to persecute people like me and you. Persecuting what? The church. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 13, comparing Scripture to Scripture again here in Galatians. Paul is giving us a brief recap of his testimony. And he says in verse 13, he says, here, here's my conversation, the, the way of life, my manner of life that I used to have. But unmeasure, I persecuted the church of God. So much so, he says, I wasted it. Let me tell you, Paul was a terrorist in the truest sense of the word. Next, he said, we see it again. We're proving our point. Acts chapter 8. They've just stoned Stephen. That was Acts chapter 7. The, uh, Israel's chance there to uh, receive as it would be the kingdom of heaven uh, message. But they've just stoned Stephen at the end of chapter 7. And now Acts chapter 8, 3 reads, He, that Saul, who became Paul, uh, made havoc of the, not in the, but of the what? Church, Do you see that? I made havoc there, entering into every house, hailing men and women, and committing them to prison. Again, I say, uh, quite someone to deal with in that day. Acts chapter 9, this is when Paul's on the road to Damascus, and he's, he's going there because he wants to persecute Christians. And notice what he says in verse 4. 
Are you getting this? What he says is, Jesus speaking to this same Saul, who Saul testifies after his salvation, he was persecuting the church. The question that Jesus asked him when he met him on that road, because that's where he got saved, he says, why are you persecuting? He didn't say the church. He said, me. Well, maybe, maybe he was doing both. Okay, well, we'll let, let's, let's keep reading. Now, I want you to get this, and this God's book is cool, y'all. Uh, watch now. Uh, here, here, numerous times we're told in Philippians, we're told in Galatians, that he's persecuting the church. In Acts, the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter Verse 3, had it to read that he was persecuting the church. And now, is God's word perfect or not, y'all? Yep. Yes, it is. Does it have one mistake in it? No, it don't. Then what do you think that Acts chapter 9 and verse 4, uh, what, do, what, what do you do with that uh, other than just simply say, well, amen to that right there. I mean, sure, that must be the case. And by the way, it's no random thing. Look at Acts chapter 22 uh, and verse uh, 4. Here he is, 1 through 4, giving his testimony again. A good thing to do again. Be a witness. Notice how he's constantly putting it out there as he's telling the people that. But notice there when he gets to verse 4, uh, does it say, I persecuted the church? No, now he's saying, I persecuted this way. How about that? And we know he was persecuting the church. We proclaim again, uh, every word of God is pure. He chose every word in the book to teach us something. Uh, he replaced himself in the book of Acts as the life with the Spirit of God, as the truth with the Word of God, and as the way with the church of God. And again, this isn't some kind of minor little slip up there in verse 4, nor in Acts chapter uh, 22 as we just look. Look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 2. It says that if he found any of this way. Not the church, but this way. Acts chapter 8. By the way, was it the church? Yes, but he's trying to let us know. He keeps using that word way to remind us, hey, don't forget, I'm out of here, but you're still here. And you're my vehicle of how I'm known the way. Acts chapter 18 and verse 26, it says, and I expounded unto him the way of God. Now we're called that. Look at Acts chapter 19 and verse 9 and even in verse 23 uh, of 19 where he says, but I spake evil of that way. No small stir about that way. There is no way. You can't see it, y'all. If we just accept the scripture as it is preserved for us. And God's saying, don't miss it. And y'all, I could go on, but listen, consistently in the book of Acts, God chose as the word He would use as the people who were following Christ, who would be the church. He calls them the way because Jesus uses them. Jesus uses us to replace Himself as the way. And understand when I say replace Himself as the life, He's still the life. It's just known by the Spirit. Replace Himself as the truth. He's still the truth. It's just known and yet when I say he replaces himself as the way. He's still the way. It's just known by his church. And all that stuff at the beginning was to remind us he's not known just by the church. He's known by we church because we are the body of Christ, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. We can't get away from it. What He was in a body, you are to be. And He was the way of God. So we can deduce. The church is our vehicle. 
to get us where God wants us to go. It's the way to get there, man. Somebody ought to be able to hop in and find out how it is that you get where you want to go and what you're to do on the way. The Bible is our roadmap to show us where God wants us to go and how to go about it. And the Spirit of God is what keeps us moving in that direction that God wants us to go. It's what gives us the energy. It's what gives us the power. It's what gives us the life so that we can make Him known as such. We started in Romans 11. You're right there in Romans 12. And we talked about this thing of how it is that, that we are to of Him and through Him and to Him or to be all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. I beseech you therefore that you become a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It's your reasonable service. And it tells us about that whole transforming and all the rest of that stuff in the next verse. How can we be that living sacrifice? By sacrificing all that we have. Reminding ourselves that we're not our own. We're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, is what 1 Corinthians 6 says. Lord, I'm, I'm not my own. Wait a minute. If I'm not my own, then all that I have is not my own. In fact, I don't really have it, except for that you entrusted it. And if you have me, you have it. Which would mean that you own me, and I'm a child of yours. Hallelujah, I'm glad to be owned by him. Amen. And yet if you own me, and I'm a child of yours, then you own all that I got. Which if it ain't what I got, because it's yours that you got, then I'm just a steward of what you've allowed me to have at the time. And I, as a steward, should use it like the giver, like the one I'm an ambassador for, would want me to do. And how can I know what you want me to do? Oh, let me just go back and look and see what you did in a body. You were the way that others could have eternal life. I want to give to that locally, as you guys do, United States-wise, as you guys do, worldwide, as you guys do, missions, exalting the promise that God gave to us that all who would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Be the way. Oh, church, be the way. Decide. My existence is to be the way. Our existence is to be the way. They can't hope it corporately for the church enough for it to happen. Hope Baptist in Stallings, North Carolina will be the way as the members in particular of Hope Baptist yield to that way being theirs. Now, maybe you're here this morning. And you don't have the life of God living inside of you. Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We were, we were alive. We were breathing. But we were spiritually dead. Death had, had, had come upon us because 
death was handed down to us. Handed down from our ancestors who chose a different way and to respond to a different word. And by Adam, it made its way to every single human being that would ever be born. And yet Jesus, who was that way, who came to this earth so that God could be known, made His way so that He could be the Redeemer of all of those who that death had come to reign upon. And since life was found in Him, for all who would trust on Him being the way of life, they could find that life by giving up their life and yielding it to Him. Salvation is simply saying, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I know that you're the Savior, the Savior, because you are the way, the truth, the life. I know that you're the Savior. I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. I know that I can't earn a thing. I can't religiously do a thing. I can't please you in my flesh. So you came and pleased yourself in giving your life. And today I acknowledge that I believe what your word says about that. And today I give my life back to you. I give you the, the keys of my life. I ask you to have my life, to take my life and give me yours. I call upon the name of the Lord. And I'm just asking you to save me. And that is salvation. There are some words that you can say that when you get to the end of the words don't mean you are giving him the keys to your life. But no matter how you say it, giving him the keys to your life is what salvation is all about. Because there is no other way. And so when we talk about us becoming that living sacrifice, today the way this church represents the way Jesus, who was the sacrifice. In fact, the Bible tells us in the, in the Old Testament, tells us twice in Proverbs, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Religious ways, ways they were taught, ways they think. There's a way that seemeth right unto the man. But the end of those ways are, are death. Listen, there may be a way that seemeth right, but this is truth and this is right. And this right says that he is the way and he's the one to be found. There is no other way. In fact, every other way is wrong. And so this morning, God's heart for missions is a heart for you. His heart for the world has this morning... <laughs> Done took a turn to reach your world. And not again just for as it would be Malawi and Cambodia and other parts of the world, London. I could go on internationally, but it's his way for Charlotte, for Matthews, and yes, for Stallings inside Hope Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. You could receive him as your way. And then like that, receiving the life. Be empowered by that life to join us in being the way so that others could find him too. The church would say to that, amen.